We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Well, welcome to Sox Machine Live, everyone. I am Josh Nelson as we are streaming live on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. And joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. And the co-host of the podcast is Jim Margulis. Hello, Jim. Howdy. And also joining us is Bennett Carroll, the White Sox Twitter hype man himself. What's up, Bennett? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to be back. It is good to have you back. And uh, it was a good week for the Chicago White Sox on this edition of Sox Machine Live. We will be recapping uh, the White Sox series win against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Chicago White Sox now have the best record in Major League Baseball at this moment, uh, which is great to say after 68 games. Uh, not necessarily bad news, but we still got like 94 games left to go this season. Uh, so we still got a long ways to go. But the White Sox are playing great baseball uh, to start 2021, and that's a huge series win. They got another big series coming up this weekend, a four-game road series at Houston, the best offense in Major League Baseball. So you got that classic best offense against the best starting pitching in the league. Who will win that battle? We'll preview that series later in the show. Uh, but first, uh, just a couple of uh, promotional items. Uh, just to let everybody know as far as uh, live events, because now we were able to do this. Uh, our first one of the, the first live event we'll be touching on is the uh, from the 108. Our buddies over there uh, are going to be hosting a live show, and this is going to be happening at Cork and Carey in Beverly. Uh, not the Cork and Carey by Guarantee Rate Field. Don't go to that Cork and Carey because that's not where the party's going to be. Uh, the party is going to be at Cork and Carry in Beverly. That's 10614 Southwestern Avenue. Uh, and it's going to start at 6 p.m. Central Time is the live podcast. And I am their special guest. So you can come out uh, to Cork and Carry, and uh, we'll do the live podcast. And then we'll have a watch party uh, to watch the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros play game one of that four game series. 
It will be a fun time. I highly recommend it. So come out and watch us. Uh, the second event, uh, promotional item, and one that I've been getting a lot of questions about, uh, is the tailgate that we are hosting in Milwaukee. Uh, this is going to be happening on July 24th. Uh, between the White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers uh, at now 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 known as American Family Insurance Field, not Miller Park, but AmFam. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. And I will also post this both on SoxMachine.com and for our Patreon supporters. Uh, we have a forum for those that are going to Milwaukee uh, already to watch this series between the White Sox and the Brewers. And if you would like to stop by at our tailgate, uh, you'll be able to sign up for the email list and get email updates. We are looking for volunteers. So if you want to help out as far as you have a tailgate grill or you want to bring some hot dogs, brats, burgers to grill up or beer, soda, other, uh, as far as refreshments, uh, there's an opportunity. Swordfish. <laughs> it's swordfish. Yes. Make sure to bring swordfish for Jim, uh, to grill at the, at the tailgate parking lot in Milwaukee. <laughs> Nothing says baseball, baseball tailgating than grilling swordfish in a parking lot. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but again, if you are, if you are interested in partaking in the tailgate, that's going to be July 24th in Milwaukee. And we are very excited, uh, to be co-hosting that event. All right. So that's the promotions out of the way. Let's talk some White Sox baseball and Jim on Monday Sox machine podcast. We spent a lot of time previewing, as far as the series between, between the Rays and the White Sox. And we came to the conclusion that on paper, this is a really even matchup between both teams. And after the three games, uh, even though the White Sox won the series, the run differential was one run. And uh, it was a pretty tightly contested three games. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it played up to that level that there's not much separating the White Sox and the Rays right now. Yeah, especially since, especially I would say in a third game, the Rays seem to have their own problems with, uh, or maybe not problems, but considerations, roster considerations, playing time considerations, uh, in the sense that they let Ryan Yarbrough really just out there, especially for a Tampa team that usually doesn't let anybody face uh, lineups third time through, like having Andrew Vaughn get to face him three times, even though you know, Vaughn took very convincing swings off him basically all day. It was a different, you know, kind of, I don't think it's a postseason Tampa team that we would be seeing. And, and likewise, for the White Sox, you know, they didn't have uh, Yohan Mankato all series. You know, they're, they're obviously missing Madrigal and Jimenez and Roberts. And then Hendricks was not available for the third game. And Adam Engel is still coming back and they're working him back into the lineup. So like, you know, he didn't even pinch run in the 10th inning for Vaughn. So there were some, uh, I think, considerations on both sides that, I think, you know, kept the playing field level, even though they each had individual hardships going on. So that's, uh, you know, it was as entertaining a series as I think you could hope for, given uh, some of the players missing. And I think Lance Lynn basically said, like, it's June, who cares? I think he he, uh, he said that with an expletive. But either way, just it was kind of the same thing. Like, uh, don't make too much of this because, you know, it's the middle of the summer. It's still the first half. You're still conserving guys trying to figure out how to get through the, uh, you know, the dog days and so forth. So it was, it was entertaining and close. 
And I think both teams were able to have that kind of series despite having their own considerations in mind. So, Bennett, what were your takeaways from this three-game series between the White Sox and the Rays? Um, the White Sox are truly legit. I think they, you know, you felt good about this team before they were, I think we, the record was exactly 500 against teams above 500 coming into this and they were crushing teams below 500, which is great. But I think after that Yankee series where now the Yankees are obviously struggling, it's a different story, but you know, after that Yankee series, you started to wonder how can how's this team going to do against the top level teams in the league? You know, when when they face a, a playoff caliber team, a team that you expect to see middle of October, late October, how can they do? And they stuck toe to toe with the the Rays, as as Jim said, both teams were were missing a couple pieces, which is fine because I think that shows just as much even down a couple pieces. Both teams can still perform at a high level, and you got three different games uh as well you got a a nice pitchers duel with uh with just a couple mistakes from the Rays you got a game where the Rays were able to come back you got a game that the White Sox were able to try and come back so it was it was, it was a different series um and again as you said with a run differential of one like there's nothing that you can say out of this series that that really says who's the better better team and uh, I'm really interested for the rematch series in Tampa yeah, that's going to be in August. And speaking of events, we are trying to plan something for Sox Machine. We'll let you know more details uh, coming up as far as that series. It's easy to plan a road watch party when a team plays in a dome. You don't have to worry about weather. You know mm-hmm. the game is going to be played. <laughs> I think I, I am curious to see on how both teams move forward. Uh, starting with Tampa, the injury to Tyler Glass now uh, is really significant for the Rays. This is a team that I don't want to say they're not crazy about starting pitching, but they approach pitching in a different manner than many teams in baseball. But it was clear that Glass now was their ace, and he's the guy that's going to be on the mound when Garrett Cole is going to be on the mound and Hinjin Ryu is going to be on the mound or any other team's aces, and, and you know that you don't have to worry about Glass now. Well, that's not the case uh, with his right elbow barking, mm-hmm. uh, a partial tear of his UCL. They're going to try to avoid Tommy John. They're going to have him rest. They're going to have him rehab and hope that he can rejoin the team uh, if they make the postseason. That's a pretty significant blow for the Tampa Bay Rays. But clearly the way that this team plays – uh, I still feel like they're going to be strong enough to possibly win the American League East, but at the very least, I, I expect Tampa to make the postseason, Jim. But I th- my takeaway from the White Sox perspective is, and you touched on in the significant injuries for the White Sox, and of course, during the series, it was confirmed that Nick Madrigal had season-ending surgery, and he's going to miss for the entire season. But the role players for the White Sox, if we looked at who is on this roster before the season, we would have said, man, the White Sox don't have any depth. These players are not good. However, Jim, you know, the Danny Mendix and the Lurie Garcias and Brian Goodwin, these guys are stepping up and they're making plays and they are surprising me on how well they are playing. Are they surprising you with Mm -hmm. the outcomes that they are able to produce, even though it is a small sample size right now? 
I think you have to be surprised, especially just how well distributed they are. Like just, you know, that uh, you're not getting a whole bunch of guys stepping up in like a, a 15 to two blowout and then disappearing for the two other games. And by the end of the series, their numbers look fine, but they're front loaded or against weaker pitching or against position players pitching. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're evenly distributed. And that's, uh, you know, Danny Mendick stepping in, basically having a hit every game. And he almost had maybe the biggest hit of the game, except that uh, field and cold breath strike zone got to be about 25 inches wide and uh, basically uh, uh, basically short-circuited the other bats that came after. But uh, he also had the error that kind of broke my heart a little bit, just you know, watching him and wanting him to succeed as like a 22nd round draft pick. Just like you can't botch that kind of grounder in that situation, especially with Aaron Bummer on the mound, who seems to have one item of bad luck happened every time and that just completely throws off his outing. But when you have him getting a hit every game, when you have Zach Collins making the most of his starts, or at least, you know, especially when he's had to make compromise starts against lefties based on who they want him catching, you know, him being able to stand in and deliver a hit here and there helps Larry Garcia, uh, playing a bunch of positions, playing a really good third base all weekend. And then also coming through with some hits, uh, that matters. So, and Brian Goodwin too has been you know better than he looked in Charlotte and better than we feared when they called him up, thinking like, oh, he's just overmatched and that's gonna be short lived. So, it's been a nice sample and a nice array of players helping out, and it's nice to see that they just keep showing up or enough of them show up on a given day to augment what's what's the uh, uh, remaining of the starters. Because I'm looking at the lineup right now, and if you looked at this like before the season and saw a lineup that had uh, only Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, and Yasmani Grandal as, like, the fixtures, as the guys you want to see. Not Like, not even Adam Eaton. Like, right. Adam Eaton's not there. Just, uh, but nobody else is in the lineup. And they uh, win, and they score eight runs, and they're, they have the best record in baseball. That's, I think that would catch a lot of people by surprise. That And that's what blows my mind right now, Bennett. The Chicago White Sox have the best record in Major League Baseball. And there's no way I would believe you before the season started that without Aloy Jimenez and without Luis Robert and losing Nick Magical for the season, there's no way I would have believed you that the White Sox at one point, you know, at game after game 68 would have the best record in baseball. I would be happy if they were above 500 and still within, you know, still in the race for the American League Central with these types of injuries. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Chicago White Sox having the best record in baseball. Right behind them is the San Francisco Giants, which is just equally surprising. Uh, you know, how are you feeling about this White Sox team after 68 games? And do you think they can keep this hot streak going? So... I think a lot of the depth has helped for sure. And I think a lot, what's really helped this team is the rotation truly being six deep, which we, you know, was a pipe dream. I think we all had six months ago that they not only have depth, they would have more than just depth at the starting rotation and everyone will be good. You know, the, the six starter isn't, and I love Gio Gonzalez, but it wasn't Gio Gonzalez hoping to backpack in. So it's, ridiculous i think again like brian brian goodwin has a moment for this white Sox team that like i'm you know we'll remember the brian goodwin moment regardless of what happens like this is a team where you have all these depth guys and they have their spot and i i think it's wild because there are like 
eight of them, and they've all kind of popped up. You know, one, two will have a bad game, but two will have a good game, or two won't show up, and two will. Um, it's it's crazy. I don't. I I never have faith that this team will last because I've I've learned from my time as a White Sox fan that the fun times don't last. But uh, you know, if you if you think the the rotation maybe regresses slightly, but the the lineup can keep hitting because that's the other thing is they're a top five offense who also haven't hit at all at times. They've gone you know weeks where they don't hit and they're still a top five offense. So it's it's almost insanity that they're the best in in baseball by record right now. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what the, what the future holds. I think that I think they're helped out a lot by that division, by the twins being uh, Detroit Tigers esque right now. That certainly yeah. helps them and certainly will keep them afloat a lot longer. Yeah. But uh, I like, I'm not aiming for the best record in baseball. I want a, a division win and I want, you know, a top, top two seeds. We get a, a first round at home, but I'm, I'm happy with that. But this is insane. Yeah, Cleveland, I think on their side of town, Jim, uh, maybe a little disappointed in the Rays because if the Rays win two out of three, there's a chance that Cleveland can make it a three and a half game lead because the Baltimore Orioles are not putting up much of a fight in that series in Cleveland. Although they are today. Whoa. Uh, six to five. They've they've come they've come wow. back. Wow, so let's go Baltimore. They're making a game of it. Against Savali. So yeah. This is Birdland. Let's go. Uh, let's bring back Brian Roberts. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that gif. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So from a, from a Cleveland perspective, I think they may be a little disappointed that the Rays couldn't win this series to, to help them out. So for the White Sox to still be at least four and a half games up in the American league central is terrific, which means more than likely, especially if Baltimore can hold on, uh, the white Sox are still going to be in first place after their trip to Houston, uh, no matter how that series works out for the white Sox. And we'll preview that series later on in this episode of Sox machine live. But the next topic that I want to get into, and this is the topic that is dominating baseball talk right now. And this is major league baseball, finally enforcing rules uh, that they could have enforced this entire time uh, over decades, but let's call it the enforcement of the grip enhancements uh, that Major League Baseball pitchers have been using. And going back to Tyler Glass now, uh, in his press conference after his start against the White Sox, he mentioned that not being able to use the rosin and sunscreen combination that he's been using all season long, he thinks it played a part in his elbow, started to bark on him because he needs to have a tighter grip on the baseball without that substance. And because now he has a tighter grip on the baseball, it's added more stress on his pitching arm, on his pitching elbow. And now he's on the injured list. Uh, while before we started streaming Sox Machine Live, uh, Jacob deGrom left his start against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, and he had eight strikeouts through three innings. He was Jacob deGrom-esque, the best pitcher on the planet. And he left with right shoulder soreness. And I want to get your perspective on this, Jim, because you've been writing about it this week on SoxMachine.com. And the first question that I have is, for White Sox fans, should we be worried after June 21st when the league is starting to 
enforced a rule and they're going to have these 10 game bans if any pitcher is caught. Should White Sox fans be concerned about the White Sox pitching staff and these illegal substances? I would say in a general sense, yes, just because we don't know exactly what they use or uh, who uses what. I'm not seeing anything when looking at the numbers, especially for starting pitchers. Like I'm not seeing any thing that doesn't look like normal fluctuation over the course of a season. Now, yeah, I guess we'll find out like Lance Lynn, his fastball spin was down like one standard deviation, which isn't much, but you don't know if that's going to continue sliding down. If he's like adjusting, trying to, uh, you know, make some kind of, uh, compromise or some kind of uh, adjustment to where that's going to be his new normal going forward. But right now I'm not seeing anything from the numbers or from the spin rates. And I'm also just getting to learn this myself because when I, when I was looking at spin rate numbers and I would see like, Oh, this guy's missing 75. This guy's cutter is down 40. Like, first of all, does that mean anything? Like what's, what's a, what's an important amount. And there's an article by Eno Saris and Britt Jaroli in the athletics saying that one about 115 RPM is like a standard deviation for fastball spin. It's like, okay, that's good. That's, that's helpful to know. And, 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 you know, said that, uh, uh, basically when you double that get outside two standard deviations, that's when it becomes like statistically it's like significant for at least one outing. Now, you know, perhaps like if it's you know, lower, you know, if it's like coasting at that one standard deviation below for a few outings, then you might have to adjust your sights down a bit, but like start to start, it can fluctuate quite a bit. So right now, based on what we're seeing, I'm not noticing any big uh, dips the way you saw it with like Garrett Cole and with Trevor Bauer at the end day. I guess the poster boys for accusations or trolling in the case of Bauer, like openly courting it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I would say like right now there's nothing there, but as you know, uh, Glass now talked about the injuries and Carlos Rodon said it's unfair. So you know, Carlos Rodon's indignance or like his, uh, his righteous indignation kind of makes me think like, oh, that's not the reaction of a guy who isn't using the stuff. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, you know, can't say for sure, but just that was, you know, Lance Lynn had a pretty normal reaction saying like, yeah, guys, guys are getting carried away. And Liam Hendricks said like basically dared people to try to catch something on him, which is, you know, that was his way of saying he's clean, but we, as we know from the steroid era, that uh, sometimes that doesn't quite work. And, and uh, you know, just you, you kind of, your ability to beat an edge longer than you can. But right now, aside from the general don't know of it all, and also, you know, I guess we'll find out, you know, whether there's any injury issues in real time, like as injuries happen, like you have to be on guard for that, but no specific issues for white Sox pitchers in particular and rodon has made spin rate gains but he's also made velocity gains and yeah when you have more velocity you gain spin so like that's a case where like his kind of jump does not seem like it's uh you know uh, i guess maybe his command might be affected by it if he's using something but in terms of like his sheer dominance and the power behind it that that would go untouched by what's currently being policed so bennett why do you think major league baseball is deciding now Now we're going to enforce these rules and the punishments are going to start being delivered on June 21st and later. And it's going to be up to the umpires to make the, this determination to do regular checks on the pitchers, both starters and relievers when they come into the game to make sure there's no legal substance on their forearms, on their hats, on their belts, on their necks, wherever they could possibly put some type of substance on their body to ensure that they are not using a banned substance. 
the cynic in me, uh, it has to do with CBA negotiations uh, this coming year. It, it has to do with the fact that they want to turn players against each other a little bit. And they're, they're clearly, as we saw with Carlos Rodon, uh, players who are really pissed off at the league. And there are, play, there are players who are taking it and turning, well, how come you're not attacking these players? How come you're only doing this? Um, I think the MLB learned, I forget which year it was, uh, when there was a CBA agreement uh, that came in like minutes before the deadline in the midst of the steroid era, they can stir that up and, and you know, pick up a little bit of a win uh, labor-wise. So I don't think it's only that. I think it's, it's partially that. But um, on top of that, I think it's the MLB pulling an overreaction because that's what they do, a late overreaction. But still with the underreaction on suspensions, it's a 10-day paid suspension, which uh, if my bosses are listening, as long as I won't affect my future employment, I will take your 10-day paid suspension and go on vacation and have a great time. Um, yeah, I. it feels like it's it's trying to make the players – look worse in the press and to make the players uh, argue with each other uh, agreed with Rex actually on the Pete Alonzo thing uh, that he, he probably said it a little oddly uh, with the way he was talking about the, the this conspiracy theory. Um, but it kind of points to what I'm saying, which is they're, they're trying to make themselves look like they're in the right in the media and the players look like they're in the wrong and it's working right now. Jim, I'll go to you. Mm-hmm. Do you care? Do you care if pitchers are using sunscreen and rosin to give themselves a better grip on the baseball? I care because I think it's one way to reverse the uh, slide of, uh, you know, three true outcomes. Uh, Hitters having to sell out for power and launch angle because you can't string hits together. Uh, You know, getting a wider variety of acceptable baseball, productive baseball. I think it's important for that. I don't care in terms of how, what I think of a player who might be using it, like Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer. I'm, you know, think say what you will about Trevor Bauer, but in terms of the, the specifically the ball doctoring, like he was doing it in public, like he was just adding RPM uh, for fun and and telling people pointing to it, and the league did nothing. So when he's doing that, and the league does nothing except for uh, suspend or fire the Angels fired their visiting clubhouse manager. And that was basically like the only person who's lost a job or, or faced any kind of punishment for this. That's a case where, yeah, just, I'm not going to cast aspersions at anybody, any pitcher is doing it just because it, it, and that was my attitude for the steroid era too. It just, you know, when I was 17 and watching the Sosa McGuire thing going on, like you saw their forearms, like just, you know, they, they look like, uh, like wrestling action figures, like with the traps that connect their ears to their shoulders. Just, you know, you, you see that just being like, yeah, they're probably on something. And and so like my innocence was not ruined when they decided to go like, yeah, you know, basically just, uh, you know, attack uh, all the steroid users and bring them before Congress and everything like that. I just thought, eh, it's going to clean it up, but just, okay, now we'll hit a reset button. Just things that carried away, calmly go about solving it and go from there. So this is not calmly doing it. Like Bennett said, it does seem like they are trying to make players the villains. And I think it's, you know, I, I would not do that. I would not go that far because one, 
you don't know if your favorite player is is doing it. Like you don't know if like Lucas Giolito, right? Uh, you know, he, he's wearing that periodic table of elements. He's you know uh, shirt in his uh, high school signing photo. So maybe he's uh, you know has some you know chemistry know how that allows him to come up with some kind of magic concoction like you know i doubt it but i also like don't know for sure so i don't want to be you know yelling at garrett cole or whoever and and saying you know uh, trying to brandish them with a scarlet uh d for doctor i don't know (laughs) whatever s for substance (laughs) um and and then you know come around and just then giolito or whoever gets busted and then you you feel like an an ass for doing that so i'm not i I just feel like they should you know this should have been done over winter i think just to you know make it all about like oh go to spring training and and you start practicing you start warming up without substances you you throw live batting practice without you like everything you do in spring is how you're going to do it during do it during the regular season so to do it mid-season uh is it it does raise a uh, the the question of ulterior motives, and it is odd. So I I think it's a good move, poorly timed. Also, you know the the un the unpaid suspension, or sorry, paid suspension, that feels toothless. But I do like her. I think it has teeth that they can't replace the roster spot. So if they lose like two or three pitchers in a week, like if somehow they have a bad run where like in a game like. Uh, and I doubt it'd be in a game because I imagine the first guy gets busted, the other pitcher stopped doing it. But just like if they happen to lose like two guys in a week, all of a sudden that pitching staff is down either eight men or the bench is down two men, something like that. It's it's going to be a little bit tricky. So I think there is a bit of a, that is a way to help them police themselves in, in order to uh, give it some teeth. But I really think like Major League Baseball just doesn't want to really bust anybody and draw attention to it. They just want to kind of throw a rock at the hornet's nest and then like have everybody uh, just get mad at each other and then see if it fractures the union at all when it comes to negotiation time. And, and I like how you mentioned that the league is throwing a rock at the hornet's nest. This is the league's hornet's nest, Jim. Yeah. I, there is no professional sport that I can think of that has so much damn drama revolving about around the object that's involved in the game okay not you know mm-hmm. we had deflate gate with the nfl yeah i was gonna say that and that that was like one instance and that because the teams mm-hmm. control the footballs it's not so much the league it's the teams okay that that's the only one i else i could think of you don't hear about this about you know the ball being different in the nba or the pucks being different in they had it for half a year with the nba they did it for half a year it was like really slippery. They had a ton of turnovers and they changed it back at, at the all-star break. Okay. But this is, this is, this is a rolling drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a common thing though with baseball. Last mm-hmm. year we had the super bouncy ball. This year we got the dead ball, but because pitchers had to deal with the super bouncy ball last year, they have to use these grip enhancements just to combat the fact that the ball is traveling 20 extra feet when there's contact being made by the hitters. And I don't blame the pitchers. If you have this very reactive core in the baseball and it hits the barrel and it's traveling 20 to 40 feet further, all right, to combat this bouncy ball, I'm going to load my 
forearm with this, you know, residue that allows me to have tighter grip on the baseball. It slips out of the hand faster as far as generating more RPMs and get more spin on my breaking pitches, which makes it more difficult for hitters to make contact. I get that. And then baseball changed the damn ball again. And now we don't know what kind of ball we're going to be playing with in the second half of the year. Here's my conspiracy mm-hmm. theory, Jim and Bennett. We're getting the super bouncy ball back. You bet we are getting that damn ball back probably sometime after the All-Star break because they're playing with that ball right now in AAA. Just look at the Charlotte Knights home and away splits uh, with with the damn ball. Uh, it's just, this just blows my mind in, in, in how this is such a, how much drama has been built around this. And I don't understand why they're doing something about it now, mid-season, and they just mm-hmm. address this in the off season. So whatever conspiracy theory anyone has in regards to why the league is doing this now, I'm buying it because I can't come up with a clear reason, Jim and Bennett, why the league is doing this now. Yeah, unless yeah, I, I can think of maybe unless there's like some. I just even don't think the stakes are that high. Like I'm thinking, like if you liken it to the steroid era, like. If you think like somebody could possibly die because of this, <laughs> I can't think of like the stakes being that high for ball doctoring. Like, especially since hit by pitches are up. That's the one thing, you know, when it comes to like player safety and such, like, I think one of the reasons why they had to draw a line is because, uh, you know, it used to be the idea was you have grip on pitches. So hitters don't have to worry about uh, errant pitches coming at their heads or something like that. But hit by pitches are, have been at a record high for uh, at least modern day high for a few years now to where like, okay, that whatever they're doing, uh, or I guess whatever extent that grip helps a little bit prevents hit by pitches is uh, offset by the superiority or just pure power uh, that, that pitchers feel like they can throw with because of the, you know, this, the, the RPM they're seeking. So, you know, that's one case where it felt like there needed to be something to be done, but it didn't feel like there was like a, a risk of like, oh, somebody can possibly overdose on pine tar <laughs> and, and, and they're going to have to go to the hospital and get their stomach pumped. And like, it's not going to be the case where you know, the league had to get out in front of because there's going to be some kind of scandal. It's just going to be like, oh, you might have a unpleasant, aesthetically unpleasant form of baseball to watch for three more months in the postseason could be a drag and that might affect ratings. Like that's the what I could see being like maybe the thing they're trying to get out ahead of. And that doesn't seem like worth doing, like worth changing the rules in the middle of the season and possibly creating a whole bunch of uh, cascade effects and injuries. The injuries is a good, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that is going to be the outcome here. I think that because of not having this residue, whether it's this, uh, the sunscreen or the rosin, as far as combination or it's the spider tack or whatever else pitchers are using. Uh, now the fact that they're going to have to have a tighter grip on the ball, I'm expecting more injuries. And going back to the White Sox here, they have the best record in baseball in large part because they have the best starting pitching in baseball right now. And my fear is, is that after September, after June 21st, I'm sorry, after June 21st, I'm the White Sox can't afford an injury to Giolito, Keuchel, Lynn, Rodon, or Cease. They they got to keep those five guys healthy. 
And I think Tony La Russa has done a good job as far as managing the workload, especially since the beginning of the season when I thought that he was maybe riding pitchers a little too hard. Perhaps Lance Lynn going on the injured list uh, woke him up a little bit and he's kind of you know let off the gas a little bit on riding his starting pitchers. Because Bennett, if after June 21st, it comes to light that one of the White Sox starting pitchers was using a substance and now they have suffered a similar injury to Tyler Glass now. I know Michael Kopech is going to be returning soon, but that's going to be a huge blow for the Chicago White Sox. And I would hate to see this trend for them where they are a team built on their starting pitching. Suddenly ha- suddenly that course gets reversed on them because it could impact as far as the White Sox win-loss column. Yeah, just just to make it clear the issue with Glass, now, I'm going to do a little scientific experiment. If you li- put your arm up, and put your hand on the side of your elbow and just squeeze your fingers, you can feel your arm. You can kind of feel it tensing up in there. I can That's see That's your UCL. <laughs> so it's, it's not as simple as just, oh, it's something in your elbow. It connects all the way down to those fingers and that grip exactly. And that's one of the issues that, that Glasnow had. I'm not going to say the expletive he said with it, but but with the way he had to grip it, it's why it, it tore his, his UCL so quickly. Yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, again, I because th- when that article first came out from SI, the White Sox had the second highest increase in uh, spin rate. Mm-hmm. I generally attributed that to just who they lost versus who they added, and just the addition of Ethan Katz as pitching coach over Don Cooper, like just bringing it to the modern game, and felt like a that makes enough of the sense. And then you take mm-hmm. out like. Ronaldo Lopez's dopey 96 and add in Lance Lynn's uh, spin rate. Like that felt like enough. Is it possible someone's using it? I, I mean, I, yeah, like obviously. And, it, and if someone does, it has to stop using it and does get hurt. That's when I think you're going to start to see these depth pieces meaning a lot more. Cause yeah, Michael Kopech's going to be back, but now you're teetering with five starters and, you know, instead of six and all of a sudden you're an injury away from who's the next starter up after Kopech. Like, is it Ronaldo Lopez and his eight and a half ERA and triple a, like you, that depth becomes a lot bigger of a question with one starting pitcher injury. Well, and Kopech, you mentioned him like uh, one. Yeah. I, I wonder if he'll be needed in the bullpen based on the way the setup work is going from Hendricks. And also like Kopech, I was thinking about him as you're talking and and thinking like well he's probably the wettest White Sox pitcher, like within an, you know in this first inning he's in a lather and just you know he had the Tommy John surgery and he didn't want to come back during the shortened season and have a pitch in an uncertain role. He said because of the Tommy John surgery and I, I, he had plenty of off the field things too that I think uh, you know the Tommy John surgery is more of a thing that t- he'd rather talk about. But uh, just when you have. Uh, when you have his injury history and you have him not knowing his history of spin rates because he's been gone for so long that we don't exactly know what his normal look like or whether he's had any kind of progression. Uh, that's a guy where he's probably has the most uncertainty around him. And so I think if I were going to be concerned about any one pitcher, it might be him. I'm concerned about him in general. I think this whole year, cause it was even, even if he's had that extra year off from Tommy John, just coming back at all is always going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And now you're throwing in a, an IL stint with a possible change in the way he's been throwing the whole year as well. So it's, yeah, yeah. he, it was already bad and it just keeps building, but he, he'd definitely be someone uh, 
I'd be concerned with. Well, well, this will not just be a problem for the Chicago White Sox. It's going to be a problem for all 30 teams in the league. On uh, Friday, it sounds like that Major League Baseball is going to be hosting a Zoom meeting with all of the uh, team's operation executives to go over as far as how they're going to be enforcing uh, these rules and how often pitchers are going to be checked. It's going to be ridiculous. We're going to see games which Angel Hernandez is the home plate umpire and he's going to come out to the mound. He's going to check on the starting pitcher every other inning to make sure that they don't have any type of illegal substance or having to swap out gloves or hats, uh, which breaks up his digging in Dylan Cease's pants. Yeah. Digging into his (laughs) pants or his belt. Uh, Yeah. But I guess, you know, some people will say, well, this is the white Sox fault ever since that St. Louis Cardinal reliever, uh, had their hat replaced and it, it's kind of sparked this whole controversy and uh, the conversation and now moving forward with the enforcement we'll see but in covering as far as the sport and the teams everyone's going to put a pin in June 21st and track on how their teams are pitching after that date and then compare and contrast what we saw from opening day to June 20th and well, I, I'm I'm really unsure if we're going to see any significant changes. Maybe we'll see more offense. But my initial guess right now, Jim, is that after the enforcement ban, I think we're going to see more injuries because this uh, grip enhancements that pitchers are using, I think it helps as far as alleviate some pressure off their pitching elbows. Yeah, you know what it feels like it is, uh, you know, like if you play MLB The Show and you do like a dynamic difficulty setting to where if it's too easy, you start sliding up, it starts getting harder in the middle of the season. And yep. that's what this kind of feels like. Oh, the starting rotation is great one through five. You're getting quality starts every time out. Well, all right, now you're going to have to grip the ball entirely differently. Let's see how you do. <laughs> and then two pitches go out like, oh, you need to adjust. Like uh, that's, you know, what are you going to do? Cheat and turn the difficulty setting down? You lose all your... Uh, uh, you lose all your points or whatever progress you're making. So it's, uh, yeah, that's what it kind of feels like. And that's, I mean, that is kind of BS, but that's kind of built into AI. But, you know, this is, that's not really how live sports are supposed to be run. Like, yeah, that's the line between video games and uh, live sports is that uh, it plays out among players in real time and they don't have anybody monkeying with the settings in between. So it is weird. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Well, next on the show, let's go ahead and preview the upcoming series for the Chicago White Sox. They head to Houston, Texas, and they will be playing against the Houston Astros this weekend. Uh, the Houston Astros, as we are streaming live on youtube.com slash Sox Machine for this episode of Sox Machine Live, uh, they're playing the Texas Rangers. So they're either going to be 39 and 28 or 38 and 29, unless Major League Baseball made another rule change and they allow ties. Uh, in games, but regardless, they're they're either going to be eleven games above five hundred, or they're going to be nine games uh, above five hundred. Uh, but they're currently second place in the American League West, behind the Oakland Athletics. This is what's key to know about the Houston Astros. They have the most runs scored in Major League Baseball, and while the White Sox have the best run differential in all of baseball, the Houston Astros have the third best run differential. They are plus eighty nine. And your pitching probables for this series for the Chicago White Sox. Again, this is a four-game series against the Houston Astros. On Thursday night, again, you can watch this game with me at Cork and Carey in Beverly for the watch party. Uh, it's going to be Dylan Cease on the mound. Uh, Friday night, it's going to be Carlos Rodon for the White Sox. Uh, and that's intriguing, especially with the comments that Carlos Rodon has recently made that baseball is going to start, you know, banning and suspending pitchers for these uh, these substance, uh, illegal substances that they're using. But they didn't suspend any Houston Astros players for cheating during the postseason. So we're going to see on how the Houston players react to Carlos Rodon Friday night on Saturday. Uh, for those that are watching the live stream on uh, YouTube.com slash Sox Machine, uh, Saturday is highlighted in red. This is a national broadcast. Saturday's game will be on Fox. It is one of their games of the week. So the entire country gets an opportunity to watch the White Sox and Astros. And it'll be Lance Lynn on the mound for the White Sox in that start. And then on Sunday, making his return to Houston since he has left, Dallas Keuchel will conclude the series. Uh, and Keuchel's been pitching really well, Jim. And, and I would like to start there as far as the conversation because I know it's game four of the series. But Dallas Keuchel was great against Tampa Bay. Seven scoreless innings. I thought he did a terrific job against the Toronto Blue Jays in his previous start. And here is a third mm -hmm. straight tough test. And Keuchel, again, we play this game where rank the White Sox starting pitchers one through five. And I think, you know, a lot of people would say Keuchel is the fifth best starting pitcher for the White Sox based on performance. But if you say that, and you look at how mm -hmm. well he's performing. Now he's got a sub four ERA. That's just how strong this White Sox starting pitching staff is. And now he gets a chance to return back to Houston. And it's, again, a third straight start against a very good lineup. And for me, at least, that's the intriguing matchup is how is he going to perform at a place that he used to call home? Yeah, it's uh, Keuchel's been impressive. And I think it speaks to the... Um, I guess the thin margin he works with, but also like the, uh, just the thin, I guess, difference in his health because he hasn't had any major injuries, but he's had like a, a back injury here. He's had a little bit of loss. He lost here, but like when he's back to hundred percent, the plate gets like two inches wider, like an inch wide on either side. Like the cutter has a bit more bite. He's able to get hitters getting, uh, you know, chasing balls inside or like, you know, bringing their hands in and covering that. Then the changeup looks more tempting and that's off the plate. So it's just amazing uh, watching him just 
battle minor health issues and uh, life issues with his pitches. And then when he, when he gets back, like, oh, he's, he's back. Like, but <laughs> it takes a while to believe. It takes a couple starts to see it. But once he starts repeating it, uh, you know, start to start against uh, quality opponents, that's a case where it, it's, um, you know, he's back and you feel better about him. So it does feel like it's uh, he's back in his old form. If the Astros do something to him, you know, because they're the Astros and the toughest uh, offense in the game, then you know, so be it. You know, he can he can absorb a stumble. I will say, or I will note that Alex Bregman left today's game with a quad strain. He he pulled up lame as he was running the first wow. and limped back in the dugout. So he may be gone. For, I'm guessing he'll be gone for the series. So at least that's. One uh, one of their big bats, they won't, he won't have to contend with. They have plenty of others, but at least that's one that yeah. uh, he'll get to dodge probably. Yeah, especially my guy Michael Brantley. Yep, uh, I, I noticed that looking at the stats. Like, he, imagine you're proud. <sighs> disappointed, Jim. Not proud. I'm disappointed. He could be with the White Sox, anyway. I'm disappointed and proud. <laughs> Uh, some key stats for the Houston Astros. They're currently 11th in baseball and home run set. They have hit 83 as a team. What's really remarkable about them, they have the lowest strikeout rate in all of Major League Baseball. So on Monday when we previewed the White Sox and Rays series, Jim astutely pointed out that Tampa Bay strikes out a lot. And I think the White Sox took advantage of that, uh, especially in their wins against the Rays. Well, the Houston Astros have a team strikeout rate below 20%. And second place, as far as the second lowest strikeout rate in baseball, is 3.5% behind the Astros. That is quite remarkable, as the Astros, as a team, only strike out about 18% of the time. Uh, so really surprising. Uh, as a team, their overall slash line is a 274 batting average, getting on base at a 344 clip and slugging 445. That's a great slash line for an individual. Mm-hmm. But as a team, that's what they're hitting. At home, uh, a little bit worse. Uh, they have a 265 batting average with a 343 on base percentage and slugging 431. And uh, Bennett, I, I think... I think that's where the conversation really starts for this series. It is, again, the best offense in Major League Baseball going up against the best starting pitching in Major League Baseball. How do you think the White Sox starting pitchers are going to fare against this Astros lineup? So I think it's interesting because it's, it's, it's four guys I'm looking at differently. Dylan Cease, this is, until the All-Star break, this is the test for him. He's got a, a pretty vanilla uh, matchup set going up into the all-star game so if he can hang here i'm gonna feel a lot better about him going forward for carlos radon i think it's it's another test i i have a lot more faith in him but it's it's again an elite offense that he gets to take a shot against which you know if he can do it especially on on the road it'll it'll certainly help him out for lance lynn i think is as we said earlier it's going to see if there is an effect on him uh, of a drop in spin rate and if he can keep pitching this well again against an elite offense uh and for Dallas Keuchel it's going to be interesting uh it's it's you know the Dallas Keuchel revenge game or is it the Houston Astros revenge game so it's it's going to be I think two guys who kind of you know need to take that next step in improving themselves a guy who kind of has to show he's still who he was even if he was doing something else if he wasn't just to keep cruising 
you know, he's not going to have a, a sub one five ERA the whole year, but he can keep pitching as well as he has. And for Dallas Keuchel, it's a combination of uh, a homecoming, uh, proving he, that he is back at 100 percent and and kind of just continuing that that strong performance he's shown the last two times out. So, Jim, on Monday's podcast, when we preview the White Sox and Rays series, we both agreed that one of the key parts of that series is watching how Tony La Russa is going to manage these three games. And even though Lance Lynn made the comment that, oh, it's June, you know, the series isn't as big as you guys are making it out to be. And even Yasmani Grandal, when asked, hey, how's it feel being the, having the best record of baseball, saying that the team that wins the World Series is the best team in baseball, and that's all that really matters. Uh, for this four games in Houston, is it the same? Are we carrying that talking point over in the sense of we have to watch on how La Russa manages these four games to maybe get a taste of how he'll handle the team in the postseason? Or is our, you know, I guess Lance Lynn and Yasmani Grandal correct that it's just June. We shouldn't make too much of this series. I think based on the talent on hand or the talent that is not on hand, I think it's more of a matter of just surviving the week, like having Yohan Makata missing uh, the entire series, having Adam Engel still on uh, a managed workload. And having uh, pitchers going like, you know, this will be Carlos Rodon's third consecutive start on regular rest, which he hasn't had this year. Um, you know, Lance Lynn has worked hard in previous starts, so he might, you know, get an opportunity to have an easier start if he can. I think it's more about surviving the week and just trying to get through it with a, you know, hopefully winning a couple games, but also just making sure that uh, you don't overtax anybody when you have a week ahead with the Pirates and two off days surrounding games against the Pirates. Uh so I don't think you want to burn anybody out when you have uh, a rest coming up. So I, I think it's going to be more of a matter of, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, I would say, I should say, hopefully Angle will be able to play whenever he can and Mankata will be able to play. And so we'll be able to see kind of matchups and defensive substitutions and how he leverages uh, certain guys in certain moments. But based on what we saw in the race series and how much he had to manage around players not being available, I imagine it's going to be more of the same here and you're just going to hopefully you know they they can at least win it'd be nice to split you know winning one I think would be fine even like a sweep isn't the end of the world just because it seems like at some point they need to probably pay for all the players they're missing and it's been miraculous and a testament to resilience and and leadership that they haven't succumbed to that yet but it wouldn't surprise me if they had like one bad weekend that made you think, oh yeah, th- these guys could use a break because they've had a pretty rough. Bennett, what is the one key thing that you are going to be watching for in this series between the White Sox and the Astros? The one key thing, I guess it would be Yoan Moncada's health, uh, assuming he's able to play, assuming he's able to go, just to see him be able to step right back in. And I know it was, you know, it wasn't like a, a, a hamstring or anything like that. It was just a kind of a sickness, but just seeing him step in because there was uh, yesterday's game, the heart of the lineup died, you know, straight up 0 for 12, I think three strikeouts from the four, five, six hitters. And Andrew Vaughn hitting three, hey, like that's cool. It's good to see him step in and be able to do that. But if you can get Yohan Moncada slotted right back into the three and hitting like he was or turning it around and heating up like it seemed he was just a few days ago, I think that's going to uh, take that team a lot further than than just the, the starting pitching continuing to do well or, or role players continuing to step up. How about you, Jim? What's the one key thing that you're going to be watching for in this series? 
Yeah, I would agree with Mankata. Just wondering about his state. Just it was he missed the last couple of games and it was vague. And you know, although it's a cold, you know, given what he had last year, just uh, when when you have Mankata and an illness, and you know the country is not out of the COVID woods yet. You just, you know, want to make sure that there are no you know, long haul repercussions or anything like that coming uh, to the fore. So I'm not, you know, panicking, just more of a matter of just wanting to see him. Cause you know, we have a history of visuals when Mankata is not quite looking right, especially last year with just how much he played through just when the bat's looking slow and he's looking sluggish when he's uh, kind of grimacing or just not looking like he's having fun out there. You know, something's wrong. And it didn't look like he was struggling. He was popping pitches up. He wasn't really uh, stinging the ball a couple games before that. So that's why I'm a little bit worried or just uh, when he missed a couple games of the cold, it said, oh, that makes sense. And now I'm just hoping that doesn't drag into another series, another series after that, because we've seen what that looks like. And it's not as fun as a Mankata who's leading uh, the team in OBP. And that OBP starts at the four. I think for me... I, I'm glad you guys mentioned Yohan Makata. I'm going to just talk about the White Sox offense in general. Uh, they had a great, as far as Wednesday afternoon against the Tampa Bay Rays, putting up eight runs. Uh, but while we, well, most of the conversation this weekend is going to be White Sox starters against this best offense in Major League Baseball for the Houston Astros, the, the White Sox offense has to find ways to support their pitchers. So over these four games that while I'm hoping that the role players can continue to step up uh, and I'm hoping that after his home run, Jose Abreu starts getting into rhythm because June's not looking all that great for him. And we're already halfway through the month of June for Jose Abreu uh, and that Yasmani Grandal can come up with some big hits and Tim Anderson, you know, opposite of Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson is really hitting well uh, this month. And, you know, he's just racking up multi hits that I'm hoping that the White Sox offense puts uh, has enough firepower themselves to help support their starting pitchers, because it would be a shame if if the White Sox starters are only allowing three or four runs per game against the Houston Astros. But the White Sox offense is only putting up like one or two runs against Houston pitching. Like that's that's where the shame is going to be. So hopefully for me, I'm going to be paying attention to the White Sox offense and hoping that they can score at least four runs in each of these games. Because if they can, I think it gives the White Sox another opportunity to win another series against a very good opponent uh, in the Houston Astros. And so far, we've already seen that through this gauntlet that we talked about a few weeks ago with a series win against the Blue Jays and now a series win against the Tampa Bay Rays. And we will be recapping that series between the White Sox and Houston Astros on Monday's Sox Machine podcast. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you to everyone that was watching the live stream on youtube.com slash Sox Machine and also on Sox Machine Dot com And if you haven't already, and this is the first time you're watching our live stream, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Socks Machine. Also follow us on Twitter. We are at Socks Machine. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Socks Machine underscore Josh. And definitely follow Bennett at the Bennett K because that dude will help get you followers 
especially if you are close to a milestone. Uh, so that's where you can follow us on Twitter. And if you don't get an opportunity some weeks to watch the live stream of Sox Machine Live on YouTube, don't worry. We take the audio version of each broadcast and also upload it into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy our work and want more, think about signing up on patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content. They also get bonus content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. And when we have new swag, swag items, uh, they get the first opportunity to purchase them. And we have monthly rates starting at $2, $3, $5, and $10 a month. So again, if you enjoy our work and you want to support us, or if you want more from us, go to patreon.com slash Machine to sign up. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Bennett Carroll and Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.